Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to our no podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Well, before I, before I even say anything, you have a tire swing slash hammock slash... Oh, it's a hammock made of a tire swing. Oh, my God. This is uh, this is the neighborhood park for children. There's a couple swings. There's a tetherball <laughs> out there. Basketball court. Do kids just end up leaving, like, their... Uh, playground toys just on your lawn because they come? Oh, it, no, it's like nannies come and, and take the kids and then there's a, there's a go-kart. We let the, just the go-kart in the way. Go-kart? All right. Yeah, uh, let the kids play on that. You guys have fun with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it a, <laughs> on the go-kart? You mean, is it a, pow- a power wheel or is it an actual? No, me and my son built it. Um, Jesus. There was a, we did a renovation on my other house and we had all this extra wood and so he had wanted a go-kart so I had no idea how to work with wood, and I just started buying big power tools. That's usually probably the way to start. Just buy the biggest. Buy the biggest table so- saw, <laughs> yeah. drills, and uh, you know, and then and I just started figuring it out. And we built it, and then we took it down this steep hill in Mar Vista, the steepest hill I could find. As you do, of course. Yeah. And then uh, we went down, and halfway down, he started to slalom, and I was hanging off the back, and yeah. it flipped, and we went flying through the air. Oh. I think I broke a bone in my hip, and we crawled over to the grass on the side of the road. It took us like a minute to get our <laughs> shit together, and then pull it back up the hill, because my daughter, who was about four, yeah. we left her in the car. Oh, that's very responsible parenting. Did you at least crack a window or something for her? Window was cracked, and also I put my son in like a hockey helmet and full. I put him all my hockey pads I put on him. So I got hurt worse than he did, but, you know, we went to bed that night, and uh, I was tucking him in, and I go, you know what? The Hill won today. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to win next time. <laughs> yeah. I like That's that. some manly ass shit, just to build a go-kart. Well, see these skateboards down there? We built those. What? We built skateboards from scratch. We buy different types of wood, like that last one. We bought, we bought three really thin pieces of birch and we glue them together and then you you got to build in the curve you just figure that out yeah i mean just there's, well, there's no all like these diy sites on the internet right. where you can right. figure out how to build stuff yeah you, you you type just about anything into youtube whether right. it be i, I want to build a go-kart or like i, I want to start a, a, a ducktales fan club like <laughs> like right. how do you do it it happens yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing because um most of the shit you buy is so our go our go-kart is better than what you buy our skateboard the first one sucked but then you learn as you go and then you buy the parts online you get yeah. the trucks and the wheels and the yeah. bearings online from different places much cheaper and then this neighborhood is all like nicely paved hills right good hills now is it the same like um 
pine. Remember Pinewood Derby cars, like that you would do right. like Cub Scouts. That was the closest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the closest thing I've built to a go kart. A smaller <laughs> version, like a you know. Yeah, they call it the pine box because yeah. the thing you sit in yeah. is a pine box, yeah. and you yeah. just you saw off one side, you bumped right. it into a. A two by four. Right. And the coolest part about that to me was putting on like a cool decal. So did you guys put any decals? Yeah, we've got the LA Kings on the on the hood. Of course. There I built go. a hood with hinges that you can open up and put stuff in on the front. And then we've got uh, Fitz Dog Jr. is written across the back. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I was going to say if there was any sort of like ride or die or like, you know, bros over hoes or like, fuck, <laughs> fuck the bitches or something. Like, <laughs> catchy slogan for the other kids. To right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To intimidate them. That's what fuck the bitches would intimidate other kids. Oh, yeah. Picture like, a fat chick with a line through it. Here's my, here's my eight-year-old riding that hill. Here's what I don't stand for. Yeah. Fat chicks, yeah. See, but that now is that is, is that something that you set out to be like the dad that – is like the cool dad that like builds stuff for the kids and like kind of like because I think they're like my dad never built a go kart or whatever. He's a great dad. Oh, I love Brad, him. Yeah. we're not using this podcast to talk about I how issues. the lack of I never a father car building. Wait, did your dad do anything with you? <laughs> oh yeah, he uh, we, we 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 play golf a lot. That's know? great. Yeah, I play golf with my son on Sundays. Oh great. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's a little like bonding experience. So yeah, no phones. Mm-hmm. It's just a conversation for awesome. you know we play nine holes, two hours of nonstop. And no phones connection. is both of you. Like right? you'd love to be in a world where you're just like, you know, dad is off the business today, right? but hey, mm-hmm. son's off the business of texting friends. Right. Like you're both having to make that sacrifice. Right. How old your son? He's thirteen. Thirteen. How yeah. is how how active is a thirteen year old? Because I don't know too many thirteen year olds anymore after all the, you know, their lawsuits and shit. <laughs> but but he, like they slow they, down at thirteen. Like when he was younger, he was uh, way into the phone. Very uh, well. Now he's just the phone has slowed him down a lot. He's on it all the time. That's what I was gonna say. Is like how much as a thirteen year old are they? It's constant. I yeah. mean, we two hours a day. He comes home. He's not allowed to touch the phone. But he was really active. Like he's got a black belt in taekwondo, and Jesus. he's like the captain of a club soccer team that was undefeated last year. He's a fucking stud. That's awesome. And <laughs> I was the worst athlete of all time. Wow. I mean, literally, I played JV hockey as a senior in high school. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I tried. Like, to... uh, why is that guy twenty two? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what's What's with the uh, the the the, the uh, Defensive player with the receding hairline. And, and the so, goatee that's struggling to come in. So uh, I'm in awe of him, and it's hard, it's hard to relate to him in some ways. Like, we play one-on-one basketball now. Yeah. And uh, I used to give about 50%. Now I'm not only giving 100%, I'm trash-talking and playing the body. Yeah, because oh. you have to find your advantages now. Yeah. Like, yeah. that aren't going to be boxing just... boxing out, totally. I'm boxing out. I got about a quarter of an inch on him at this point. You can Uh-oh. see his growth chart. He grew in, uh, here's age 12. Yeah. Here's age 13. That's a, a little more he grew than half four inches in yeah. one year. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm jealous as a Dude, that's incredible. Individual. Right, right. <laughs> I never got to do that. Yeah, the growth chart just got <laughs> yeah. flattened out. Yeah, my, yeah, my, yeah, my growth chart. They just kind of set it and they go, this is where you're going to stop. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think the dog's growth chart went slightly <laughs> above my line at, at about age five. Oh, man. And like, son of a bitch, that <laughs> schnauzer's got three inches on me. <laughs> I was going to ask you because we saw X-Men the other day. Uh-huh. And the guy who, what is the thing? Dinklage? Yeah, he always plays evil characters, doesn't he? Yeah, well, because he's very he's very cerebral. But uh, I I saw that movie. I'm thinking, great. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence spends nine hours a day in the makeup chair to look like a mutant, 
a midget shows up, they're like, "You're good. You're good to go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. You look evil. Yeah. You told. Yeah. You totally fucking fit it. You're fine. But yes. do you ever resent that there is a lot of sort of typecasting? Uh, or do you think it's just him, his personality as an actor? Well, I mean, but then at the same time, Dinklage has gone above and beyond a lot of typecasts because he refused to play uh, elves and uh, right, right. Uh, other stereotypical dwarf parts. You know, he's never played a leprechaun and things like that. So uh, I, I think it's, I think he's actually breaking ground. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he plays a badass in a in a Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, Do you watch that show? No. Do you watch any shows? Yeah, I watch a lot of shows. I watch uh, Mad Men. Veep is go. my favorite. Veep. Silicon Valley is incredible. They're all, I can't all watch good. it because I lost out. I did a table read for a part and then I lost it. So now it's like one of those things where I can't watch it. <laughs> but it's a really it, fucking bitter man. <laughs> well, I just wanted it so bad. It was like I saw in TJ's a buddy of mine and like and Mike Judge is like a fucking god to me. So it was just like I wanted it so bad. You know, it was like anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You're too good looking for it. It's geeks. Yeah, well, I mean, it was DJ like TJ has beefed up for the part. He did a, he did a see you in a bathing suit. And I was like, oh my god, TJ, do a fucking sit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you 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 don't fit in. Yeah, you don't. Well, fit it was that like high. it was like a bro broy guy. It was like, but apparently they cut the part even down. It was like this like um, jockey um, right programmer. Anyway, uh, you've written for somewhat shit. How did you even get into that? Brad, Brad List's credits. Um, yeah, between uh, Ellen's show, The Man Show, Politically Incorrect, or Real Time, or yeah, both? Yeah, Politically Incorrect. Politically Incorrect, okay. Yeah, like those... Countless sketch shows and shows for E... All right, uh, when I wrote for Lucky Louie on HBO. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. That and, show was fucking great. Well, that's how I started writing, is Louie brought me in. I, my son was like a year old, and I was on the road too much, and so I was complaining to Louie. And he said, do you want to write? And I said, uh, I'd love to. So yeah. he got me a meeting with Cedric the Entertainer. Because he was writing on that show at the time. It was a sketch show on Fox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I came in and I met with Cedric and I, uh, I started writing his monologue. I was the only guy that wrote his monologues. That's what they needed on the show. Which is okay. so weird. He's a black guy from St. Louis who's, and here I am as white guy from the <laughs> suburbs of New York. Yeah. But we just got along. And, JV and it, hockey under his belt. What's right, your, right. What do you, what do you, how do you approach that? If you're like, all right, this isn't not my, like writing for anybody who isn't your voice is always. I think that is overrated. I oh, think really? that funny is funny. Okay. You mm-hmm. know, I've written on Latino shows, gay shows, lesbian shows, but a lot of black shows. I, I kind of got typecast. Because whatever your first job is, that's what you're going to yeah, do. Right. That's why I first so, met you. You were uh, head writing with Hugh Fink, the um, um, shit. Oh, uh, Atheon Croc yeah. and Jamie Foxx's yeah. show. Right. Yeah, so you, so, so you get kind of typecast into doing, like, like I'm black friendly now. And, you know, it, it's I think I, I, I think that's the name of your next special. Black Greg Fitzsimmons, friendly? black friendly. Or I'm right. black friendly now. Yeah. Right. Pre-approved. <laughs> Pre-approved. <laughs> yeah. But, is but that it's, a credit um, joke? <laughs> but, you know, I just started writing, and it was such a perfect fit with yeah. uh, having a family and being a stand-up. Yeah. It lets me kind of split my year, so I'm home half mm-hmm. the time, and then I'm on the road. And then it also gives you the freedom to, like, there's certain gigs I don't want to do on the road, and then there's certain writing jobs I would like to pass on. Yeah. So you can play one off the other. It's awesome. And, uh, and you know, but it's there's times when it clashes, and it's like, I'm writing... A lot of times you get a writing gig and it's like you start Monday. Meanwhile, right. you know, as a stand-up, you've got four months booked out ahead yeah. of you. Yeah. And you can't just cancel gigs. So yeah, you end up right. working Monday to Friday. You cancel your Thursday show, fly out, come back oh. Sunday exhaust. So I've done that for months at a time. Oh. 
And then at the same time doing two podcasts a week and a radio show on top of it. And being a dad. And being a dad. Trying to find time to build skateboards. Right. (laughs) What, uh, how is Louie? You guys are real chummy. Yeah, I just did an episode of his show last night. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, great. I'm on an episode of Louie. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Look at That's you. Awesome. It was me sitting around a table with Nick DiPaolo. Those are the be- Those are my favorite scenes. Like the one, yeah. I, I oh, just so caught up on the one with... So it's the poker scene? Or no, like, it's it the above? olive tree. The, uh, you know, the, rest, the cafe above the, the comedy cellar. Right, right, right. So it's Nick DiPaolo and Todd Barry and me and Louie. <laughs> I just caught up on the episode with Todd Barry where he explains that whole... Um, have you seen it where he explains the whole... Uh, uh, night of his at the table to everybody, ending with him. Um, <laughs> wow, completely forgot it. With his name on the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Are you some kind of a fucking idiot? <laughs> That's the scene I'm in. What? I'm the one asking him it? about his day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it is. <clears throat> Greg, it is. Oh, oh my god, that's incredible. God. <laughs> that's incredible. <Wow. laughs> I just put that together. Greg, you that, you were wearing a hat. <laughs> You were. This is the most awkward podcasting moment I've ever been. This is incredible. It's literally a ten-minute scene where I have. Yeah, you're asking every question. I have the 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 whole interview is me asking and me interviewing. And every time it cuts back to the scene, it's you asking. But how do you? You didn't recognize. I did. No, I did because let me tell you something. In all honesty, I remember watching because I watched this two nights ago, and I'm watching me like, oh, nice. I get to do a podcast with him in two days. Swear to God. But. Yo, I was Greg, so insignificant smoked, in the scene. No, no. I've smoked a lot of pot in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So there are details every now and then that just like <laughs> fade away. But now that I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it and, all. And I love, your, wearing a blue I love hat. your save. You were wearing a hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's like fucking... Uh, <laughs> that's, but, but, that's like but, Superman <laughs> when he's got a mask on and nobody recognizes him. <laughs> that's my superhero, bald man. He's just oh, got man. the glasses and it's right. like, oh, where'd he go? Right. Greg Fitzsimmons puts on a hat. Right. It's like, all right. So how was my acting? Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it really stuck with you, huh? It really... It's like the biggest acting role in my life. I'm so, I was like, I never get cast in shit. I've been out here it was for a great 15 scene. years. It was a great scene. I don't get it. I finally, I get in not only a show, but the coolest show on the coolest TV. The coolest show on TV. A big, fat, meaty scene. And you were wearing and a hat. And this fucking knucklehead is quoting the scene without knowing right I'm at front of He's the scene. We are professionals here on the About In Last my Night defense, podcast. there's a lot happening in that whole thing that's like a fucking seven minute it's ten minutes that's a long there's a lot happening and every time you cut back those those moments are smaller in compared to everything that Todd's explaining and you're you, you really have to stay uh, sharp to follow everything because there's so much being explained cutting back and forth he's like narrating it's a great uh, it's a great scene Did you were well you know Louis had listened to one of my podcasts and it was me interviewing Todd Barry and asking him what do you do in a day Explain that's it how me. that happened so we kind of inspired him to think about a scene uh. like that now, uh, did he did he direct the scene as well, or was there a oh, separate yeah, director? Oh, yeah, no, he's... A, he's he, 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 it's he says unbelievable. Everything. You show up, yeah. and, you know, there's 30 people on the crew. Mm-hmm. There's 50 extras waiting downstairs for his, like, stand-up scene. Right. right. And he is working with the cinematographer. He's very, very... Um, he's involved in every aspect. Yeah, but he's very involved, especially in the shots. And, and in the middle of it, he's directing it, and then he's got his lines, which... He barely knows. <laughs> it's like the last thing he thinks of is that he's acting in it. And then he nails it. And yeah. he, he's nailing it, and he's not directing. He's not, he didn't give me... The only note he gave me was like, throw it away more. Just, just say it. You know, don't mm-hmm. put anything yeah, he wants, in it. Uh, that's one thing I feel like the show has just a great... Um, 
everything just seems so natural. Maybe that is uh, attributed to him not knowing his words so well that he just seems so. Like it's all happening. Not knowing his words, so his words, well? his lines. Oh, his lines. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you're because, saying. Yeah, because it seems so. Um, I don't know, just natural. That and, he's yeah, not, yeah. And, and then also in those in those awkward moments that he creates in the show, kind of that thing that you're talking about, maybe uh, searching for his lines, kind of adds that awkwardness. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, and God, it's uh, it, it, it's just so great that. Like Louis really showed that if, if you just give it to the hands of a funny guy, we can do this thing. Yeah, like you don't need nine hundred people, you know, t- too many cooks in the kitchen, just saying, uh, f- figuring out how to, how to make a show funny. Completely different from how Lucky Louis worked, yeah. Yeah, Lucky Louie was a multi-camera show, and it, you know. But you had to answer to a lot of because it seems like with with his show, right? He they don't even see it until it airs, uh, is what I've heard. Who doesn't see it? L- uh, FX. Right, he turns it in. Yeah, he just locks it. They give him the keys, and he locks. Although HBO is very hands off as well, but it was just the structure of a multi camera sitcom. Mm -hmm. It was too. um, uh, It was too confined, I think, for him. One thing I loved about the Lucky Louie show is that every sitcom you see on TV, like the guys, like, oh, I work in a factory and and I make five dollars an hour. Yet you look at their house; it's immaculate. Right. It, it, it's insanely decorated. Yeah. They they have a two story home, five bedroom. You're like, what? How the fuck does this work? Louis and was, they're and they're home all the time. Yeah, and and, and they don't work. Hard. And they still have the checks coming in. Right. Louis, you saw him go to work. You saw him come back to a shit apartment. Yeah, with a mattress on the floor. The the kids got no toys. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, the, 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 this is real life. Here. Yeah, Roseanne did that, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't see it. You don't see it much beyond that. Yeah, and. Uh, and it lacks texture, you know. When, when the, the the set decorators on these shows, mm-hmm. it's like they come in and they create this house where the couch and chair, everything is spaced out, yeah. exactly boxy right, yeah. and the TV mm-hmm. is exactly right. And it's that's just not how people live. No. I've got fucking, you know, I've got a flat screen TV up against a window <laughs> on these shelves where it doesn't fit, <laughs> and you know, my couch, like nothing. There's nothing about how they do set. To, same thing with costumes. Everybody's got on a brand new shirt all yeah, the time. All the time. The hair is right, and it mm-hmm. just feels like you know. With Louis, he didn't wear makeup. No kidding. Yeah. You just show. And I think I read. Awesome. I think I read an article where he was like up all night with his kids one night and just came in no makeup. His hair, like they tried to do hair on him. He's right. like, No, no, no. This is gonna be perfect. Right. And he, he he literally came in off having like an hour's worth of sleep. Yeah. And then still tried to go and. To a sitcom all day. Yeah, his girls were like one in three when we were wow. doing Lucky Louie. Do you Maybe guys, two and five? Do comics at uh, your guys' level? Um, I mean, shoot the shit about um, just life and bits and like the way that um, I feel like we do at this stage. Yeah, I, it's it's like, like um, when you guys are on set shooting that and there's like downtime. Is it like? Oh. It was such a great day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like ten hours of just hanging out. It's like out the with best of the guys. best. It's like you guys at that table was like the best of the best, and I, I'm and watching Norton the scene. Was there. Oh, yeah, so I, I, I'm only imagining like fuck. I hope they're all just like shooting the sh- like. I just wanted to be a fl- like having some of the uh, you know uh, deleted scenes from that. Seems like it would be pretty. Yeah, it was funny because Todd Todd is such a character. He's like, dude, I got a set tonight. What time are we going to be done? And it's like, Todd, this is like a fucking yeah. homage yeah. to you. Yeah. And, uh, but, and, you know, and then Louie wanted to hang out afterwards. He's like, hey, why don't you guys all, uh, let's go over to my house after the taping. And it was late, and we'd been working all day. And I was like, all right, I'm in. I, I 
flown in for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Todd's like, ah, I got a set. And Nick's like, nah, I want to I want to go home. So I just went over Louis's house. Nice. And I've been to his house with him, and and we've hung out and had a good time. But this was just awkward. It was like what? the worst rap party of all time. Just, <laughs> he he got some like peanuts, and he gave me a coke, and then he put on a, what, John, is he a flight John, attendant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he put on John Coltrane, and we just sat there and and small talked. And then I was like, dude, I'm leaving. <laughs> this isn't fun. You, you just. Pulled the ripcord and said, yeah. uh, I got to get out of here. I, yeah. I applaud uh, the balls to just cut the cord like that because it's so easy to go, well, I came all the way up here. I should stick it out at least an hour. No, because I felt or like – a couple hours. I felt like he wanted us all to come over. He mm-hmm. wasn't really planning on a one-on-one, which okay. is a totally different So you recognize energy. it. It is, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if it's one-on-one, then you're talking about his divorce and you're talking about – you know, that's so true, man. There's different conversations happening because yeah. with three mm-hmm. or four people, that's not a divorce crew. No, you're gonna no. you're gonna talk about clubs that suck, and you're gonna talk about comics who yeah, right. crashed and burned. Or and whatever. you don't always have to be involved in the conversation. You can space out or go walk around the house yeah. for a minute and go to the you know right and know that there's a couple other people. And who I can... think the craft services would have been stronger <laughs> with a few of us over. Yeah, yeah. it would have busted out more than just a, a little bowl of planters for. Yeah, for and it was it, it was. Um, they weren't fresh. I got the sense, <laughs> and like he he was gonna cook something, and I was like, nah. nah. I felt bad being oh, geez, there because yeah. like, you know, I knew he had to do another episode the next day. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like he got stuck in inviting me. Now he feels obliged to entertain right. you, and so I just like I, no. It was very comfortable cutting it's, loose. Do you still keep in touch with um, people you've worked with on uh, like uh, writing for Ellen? Do you? I mean, still is that? Yeah, uh, I did a show with Karen Kilgariff a couple nights ago, and she uh, she's great. Uh, Eric Lederman, who is the researcher on that show, I called him last night. Um, now, 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 your two Emmys that were that are presented four, but whatever. Four, well, two that two they're presented that I yeah. saw uh, four four total, are, are, and that's and that's all from the Ellen show, right? Writing and two for writing, two for producing. I love that. I love that when I walked in your house, you had your Emmys out there, like. Hey fucker, you're coming into an Emmy Award winner's house. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna actually hey, hold them when off. you came in. <laughs> that would have been awesome. No, it's like look, they're daytime Emmys, so there's a, there's a, they're kind of bittersweet because they are the same hardware as a nighttime Emmy. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to, I think you have to earn eight daytime to earn one nighttime. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? But That's it looks pretty good on the man. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. What uh, what kind of stuff did you did? Wait, still doing it. Ellen? Yeah. No, I did okay. the first two seasons. Um, so I was there when we were like, you know, when they were thinking about what the show was going to be, coming up with the segments. That's a cool time to be there, right? Yeah, that's the best. I mean, I've, I've been on a bunch of shows. More from, creative freedom, right? It depends on who the studio is. I mean, in this mm-hmm. case, daytime is very specific because they tell you the first day they're like, all right, here's our audience. It's daytime. It's women that are right. unemployed right. and don't have enough money for cable. So you're, you're not shooting for an HBO feel. Gotcha. You really feel do have good. to adjust your, yeah. People want to watch it and feel like they learned something and they're better people at the end of the show. And they're not pieces of shit for sitting at home with no job right. watching TV. Mm-hmm. Like they're actually, like this is like, this is almost a job. And like I'm watching Owen's making my life better. It's even a TED it's, talk for them. Wow. And so, so the spirit of it has... But that being said, they, we had a great budget the first two years. I mean, we could shoot remotes and sketches. Awesome. and You know, the, just all the uh, resources of having her in terms of getting good guests. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she is really very, very funny and talented. So you could write something and she's always going to make it better as it's you awesome. shoot it. Yeah. That's not always the case. No. It's, it's sometimes... You have a um, the center of the show wants to talk a lot, 
they want to communicate to you their theories about comedy, and they, they want to tell you why your pitch doesn't work instead of just going, mm-hmm. nah, what else we got? Right. They want to tell you why, and all of a sudden you're there. Like they say, you don't want to work on a show where the executive producer just got divorced because he mm-hmm. doesn't want to go home. Oh, you want all a guy right. who's got kids and he yeah. loves his family. In and out. Because there's no reason why any show can't be done 9 to 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Raymond. 9 to 5, banker's hours. Yeah. All those years. What uh, What did you write for in the first two seasons? What was like like monologues uh, and I wrote the, the dance. dance. <laughs> Wait, that was your idea to have her dance. No, <laughs> no that was uh, well actually done. because I got so excited. You know, the, one of the hardest things in a in that format show is getting the host from their uh, from the spot upstage mm-hmm. to the home base yeah, downstairs. The couch with, because you don't want to ever turn your back to the audience. Right, you don't it's a want big that, no-no, and you don't want that downtime in between either. And you don't, yeah, you don't want to have to cut away. So when we were rehearsing it, she just was fucking around and she started dancing, and everybody's like, "That's great!" And wow. uh, so that became with the audience. No, first it was just on stage. Yeah, and then it grew. <laughs> the male's here. All right. Hey, Brule, be quiet. <laughs> very excited about the male. <laughs> I mean, you know, it must be residuals. <laughs> And, uh, like the dog of the man show. And so, um, so then she was trapped. Now to this day, she's got to do the dance, and I get the sense that she doesn't really want to anymore. What? Yeah, I think she's done with it. But but it's kind of like a yeah. The audience seems to have so much fun with it. Yeah, but are there things you do in your act that you sort of feel like you have to do every night of my life, yeah. Jake Fitzsimmons? Well, Brad every to, night, Brad used to close. Why was the lap I looking dance. at you when I said that? Yeah, I, I used to. I used to close my show with a uh, lap dance. Right, give a member of the audience a lap dance. That. So uh, yeah, there there's uh, there, there was times where I'm like, all That's right, I gotta, I gotta grind on this 40 year old broad's lap. Yeah. This is not good. Hey, Ellen's suck. had those same thoughts. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and like, there, there seemed to be. You talked about like that camaraderie, like on the Lucky Louis set. When you're like on the Man Show, I mean, that staff between Kimmel, Carolla. No, I was on you, the Rogan Stanhope. Oh, you you on the Rogan you Rogan Stanhope Man right. Show. Right. Okay, and, and still that like those guys are all friends and like. Oh they get right, along. Brian Posehn, yeah. Frank Sebastiano. Ray James, mm-hmm. um, is that is, is that is that just going to work? Going, I'm literally getting paid to hang out with my friends at that point. Well, yeah, but it was. It's also, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to put on a show, and mm-hmm. we got a fair amount of notes on the Man Show, yeah. and so it was. Um, it was a lot about remotes, which mm-hmm. is heavy lifting, you know, because you got to write a script. You got to get notes. Then you got a lot of uh, standards and practices notes because it's the man show, and we're trying to push it so far. Sure, we're always being reined in. And then you got to go shoot it. Which so now you got to casting calls. You got to have the line producer getting locations, uh, costumes. um, You know, it's it's a lot of work. And then you got to edit. And with the editing, um, you get more notes. And so you know, for the for what could be a two or three minute piece right it's it's one guy's entire work week wow and and so if you're doing three or four sketches in an episode yeah it's it's a lot plus you're writing monologue jokes is i mean is that 
is that frustrating when you have a guy from staring some practices or some guy that you know has never been on stage just going like, well, I don't know if that's funny. You know, you, you know what's just as funny as the word retarded? Mentally challenged. Can you guys say that instead? Well, we actually had the, uh, the standards and practices person for the man show was a woman, an Asian uh-huh. woman. And so we used to fuck Key demographic. Put, right. <laughs> so we would put her in... Yeah, if you can make them laugh. And so we would, uh, we would purposefully put horribly filthy things in there and then put her on speakerphone so she'd have to say them back to us. <laughs> like what? Just like, um, you know, dirty, uh, dirty skank bag, hoe, or, you know. Guys, you can't say jizz balls right. on camera. Right. Oh, God. That's, that's, and we'd that's all wonderful. pretend that we were uh, pleasuring ourselves while she said it on the speakerphone. <laughs> What was like? Uh, what was like that tra- uh, transitioning from um, when uh, Kimmel and Kroll left into like the new? Well, I didn't know Kimmel or Carolla back then, and now I know them both really well. Yeah, yeah, you, but, yeah. You're a frequent guest, uh, frequent guest on the Corolla podcast, right? And and you know, and Kimmel's a great guy, but you know, I felt a little weird because I knew that they didn't leave on good terms, right? Mm-hmm. And I respected them both a lot, not having known them, and so I went in saying like, look. I, I left Ellen to go there. And I was mm-hmm. like, look, I got, I got fucking mouths to feed. I yeah. got to do this job. And yeah. meanwhile, me and Rogan started together in Boston. I'm not shit. Yeah, and, Stan, and me and Stan Hope were friends. So I just felt like, all right, I'm going to go do this. And if there's any flack, then I guess I got to deal with it. But there wasn't. Those guys were gentlemen about it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, I know that Rogan and Stan Hope are... I, I think they respected that Comedy Central didn't do the right thing in terms of ownership. Yeah. You know, they didn't give them any ownership on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I saw both sides, but there's there's only so many things you can factor into not taking a job. Right, right. And that just wasn't high enough up for me. Right. <laughs> uh, writing for so many uh, uh, comics and, and TV hosts, what do you think it is that makes... Uh, a great host and somebody that people want to watch every day. And then I guess my next question is, why do you think the Tony Danza show only lasted a couple seasons? <laughs> he did a talk show? <laughs> there you go. Man, this is my not oh, remembering day- you're on Louis. Yeah. talk show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah now I remember that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that I'm just seems as offended like... that you did not know Danza had a talk show as you were as me not remembering <laughs> yeah. your Louis episode. <laughs> yeah, it was on, when I, my senior year at USC, it was on from 1 to 2 a.m., uh, in, when it was being syndicated, and it was uh, it was just the best thing to get high and watch because it was a fucking train wreck. Right. Well, because the idea of Danza, I think everybody loved. I was going to say that he's the most seems charismatic like so dude likeable, on the planet. Right. He still had all his mm-hmm. fucking who's the boss hair. Right. He was in great shape. He was tap dancing and playing the piano. But his monologue would be like. I don't know if people, he had writers. I was always like, who's writing this show? Because he'd come out and be like, you know, oh, welcome to the show. It's a great show. With a lot of stuff happening in the news. Obviously, uh, Julia Roberts just had twins. He'd open a magazine of her and her baby. Like, Obviously, has two babies that look like. That's going to be tough to tell them apart. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, the Yankees didn't make the playoffs this year, <laughs> which is a real bummer because I love those uniforms. Uh, what else? Oh, funny story. Last night, my wife, uh, she wanted me to go out and get toothpaste. I went to the store. I got potato salad. I got toilet paper. Uh, and then I get home and say, Tony, where's the toothpaste? And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, that's what you went out for. I was like, oh. Anyway, Kelsey Graham is here tonight. Like, it was really, I'm like, there's no punchline. It was just like kind yeah. of setups and then he would move on. Yeah. So, it was, well, I think what it is is, you know, I don't understand why they keep making talk shows with the exact same format. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. see, you know, Fallon comes on and, you know, and he's doing a great job. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, who's the other guy? Seth Myers. Seth Myers. 
And it's like, come out to theme music from a velvet curtain. Stand, mm-hmm. stand in the front of the stage. Do tell jokes yeah. about the news. Mm-hmm. Then sit at the desk. Do a desk piece that's more conversational. Go out to commercial with some kind of a segment. Come back with a guest. If you don't have a if you don't have a list guest, and you go to a, a a remote piece or an audience bit, right? And then you bring out your guest. If he's good, you keep him for two segments. And then if he's not good, then you've got a band or a comedian at the end. Yeah, right. like why Do you have won't to to somebody reinvent that? And so yeah. you get a guy like Tony Danza, and he goes, "Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just talk." And it's like, all right. It's good that you want to try something new, yeah. but don't talk at the spot that other guys do hard jokes because there's an association with that. Yeah, yeah and if they're you want to really talk, good at that. Do what Re- Regis is a fucking genius. That yeah. guy mm-hmm. was so good. He, was, he would just wasn't he? sit yeah. down and talk, and it was those kind of conversations. Yeah. But by sitting on a stool with a woman, yeah. it gave it some context. Yes. It was like, we're not trying. Here. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, but once you stand out right in front of the audience as in the same spot that Johnny Carson stood, like there, right. people go, like, okay, you're going to do monologue jokes now. Right. So then when you don't, it, to- it, to- it totally flips them up. Yeah, and you look at shows that have reinvented it, like Colbert and Jon Stewart, what they've mm-hmm. done is like nobody would have imagined that you could do just one guy sitting there, yeah. you know, with clips. I mean, Tosh uh, did it, and. Uh, and you know, and then Chelsea lately with the panel show, and now Chris Hardwick. You know those panel yeah. shows. Do you like those? Uh, yeah, I do because they're good for comedians. So, uh, like, yeah, what's as not a to comic, like? I mean, it's just great to be able to. You get three hours. They, they email you the material. You get three hours yeah. to pound out jokes on six topics. Yeah, he helped me I, for for a couple times. I did it. Was oh, like, yeah. you've been on Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Times, yeah. it's a rush. Yeah, it and was. then you got to get in there and you got to you got to elbow your way in. Oh yeah, I had to mm-hmm. battle Lonnie Love. I love the face you just made because <laughs> every comic completely understands that. But yeah, because when you're on a panel with someone who's like a powerhouse like Lonnie, it's tough to get a word in. And the thing is, is the topics the don't even come up because Chelsea will just go straight at Lonnie before mm-hmm. the first topic. Yep. And that, that could take a whole segment. Yeah. <laughs> so at one point, she said the N-word in a joke. On the panel, and Chelsea then or I, Lonnie? Lonnie, and then okay. I tagged it with a with an N word. Oh, you know? oh shit! And she she looked at me and she goes, "You're the only motherfucker I would let get away with that." Yes. Awesome, yeah. great moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what uh, is it? Is it crazy to you to? I mean, because uh, when did you start stand up? Uh, I graduated college in '89, so pretty much I was doing it my senior year of college. Okay. So, so that was so. Still, the late night um, spot was like the it's huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and now, would you? I mean, safe to say that it's just not. It, it's not. It's almost. It's for you right now. It's like a yeah. I think that there's certain shows like I did Letterman a lot yeah. over the years, and then they wanted me to do a set this past year, it's awesome. and I sent them just the tra- They said just send us the transcript yeah. of the set. Mm-hmm. I sent them that, and they send it back with like. Three out of five of the chunks like crossed out. Oh, crossed can you out. give us more material? What? So I sent them more material, mm-hmm. and they sent it back with other changes. But it said at the top, "Big improvement," and I just hit delete. Yeah. And I call my manager. I go, "We're not no. doing Letterman again." I keep wow. hearing that that's like it's a it's a trial by committee. They have a whole bunch of people all looking at it at once. And you so, do that. You got to have like a cup, one or two people who. Know what they're doing. Eddie Brill was great. Yeah. He would come mm-hmm. out. He'd follow you around. He'd actually help you with taglines and awesome. transitions. 
But no, it's 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 you know. But now it's these panel shows are what people sell out from Chelsea. I mean, over. well, and podcasts yeah. are the best. Yeah, nothing nothing sells out like podcasts. You think that's really the top? If medium? I go on Rogan or Corolla, mm-hmm. uh, Marin, if I do one of those shows and I plug a date, it's done. That's awesome. Sold out. Yeah, he's Brad got uh, us into Corolla. Now I just went back for my third or fourth time just to oh, plug, yeah? plug mm-hmm. my album. And I can't, I mean, I'll go to Bloomington, Illinois, and have like 50 people come right. out from that podcast. And, I'm, I, and I knew it was big, but uh, it's, yeah. And they're I mean, good fans. Yeah. yeah. They're well, intelligent. They're, they're edgy. They're dedicated. I mean, they're, they sought out comedy on a daily basis, so, they're, so like, they know what they're getting. Yeah. It, it, it's not just, it, you can definitely tell the audience that just sort of sauntered in, because they're like, well, we were walking through this strip mall. And uh, we were going to get drinks at Jamba Juice was closed. Yeah, yeah. Jamba Juice is closed. So uh, let's go see a comedy show for a couple hours. And then, and then the audience that comes to see you. Malls and casinos are tough. Oh, it's that thing. It, it's, and it's disheartening because if you do a place like Bloomington, Indiana, and mm-hmm. it's a club, and you know, you know, and I've seen it change over the years where there are less walk-ups, especially at these standalone clubs. Yeah, yeah. You really are responsible for bringing in 80% of the crowd, yeah. which is fucking hard. <laughs> but it's also very gratifying because they really came to see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you do a mall or a casino, it's probably, if you're lucky, 50% of those people are coming in to see do, you. Do you have any uh, hell gig casino stories? Um, or even just club. I'm always curious from guys like you that are just fucking killing it and are like, yeah, you know, at the top. While. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a club owner at the Kansas City Improv, mm-hmm. and uh, I came in and you know I just can't stand it when a club you come in and it's like they should make you feel at home. You yeah. know, you're, we're sure. on the, we're on the road a lot of weeks of the year, and that's our home for those two or three nights. Yeah, yeah that you so, move your life out there, right? So you come in, and I come in on a Thursday night. And no, I, I walk in. I got to ask a waiter, "Where's the Where's the green room?" And you get in there, and no, no waitress comes back to see if you want a drink or food. You got to go hunt somebody down. You almost feel like you just walked into the wrong building. Like, well, the, you feel like, did I? Should I have punched I, in my my, <laughs> my time card? Yeah, yeah. And so then I do Thursday night, I do Friday night, two shows, and then this chick in a skirt suit comes up to me. <laughs> One of these like twenty four year old. She went to business school and she used to manage a Bennigan's and now she's like <laughs> now she's like the head of marketing for the club. Oh, she, she comes up and she goes, um, "Hi, I'm Janet. I'm from uh, I'm from marketing. And um, tomorrow night, uh, early show, I'm going to need you to be appropriate." And mm-hmm. I go, "What do you mean appropriate?" And she goes, "Well, we've got 40 people coming in from a gardening magazine, and uh, it's you know <laughs> that, it's like a corporate exists? thing for us. Yeah. And so um, I need you to um, you know tone it down." I go. I didn't realize. I, do you think I'm inappropriate? Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Well, no, but you, you said fuck twice in that last show." Whoa. I go, "Are you?" I go, "Are you shitting me?" I said, "I said, <laughs> you want me to?" Ch-? Meanwhile, I was taping my one hour special a week later, so I was trying to nail down the special. Yeah, you're getting that set. So I go, "I don't know. I don't understand this." I said, "I am booked." By the Improvs, I do a lot of work for the Improvs. Great relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They book me. They know what I do. Yeah. So if they're going to book me into a club, that's they're going to throw the gardening the magazine curveball on you, right? Right. And so I say, "Am I making extra? Because obviously you're charging them extra. If I'm changing, yeah. you know, you got 250 people coming in to see me, and 40, and the 250 CME are not going to see the show they paid to see. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going back and forth. She goes, "Well, I've never had an issue with a comedian like this before." I go, "Well, you've probably never asked a real comedian before, yeah, for sure." Yeah. And you- so then I get a call the next day from the club owner. Okay. 
saying, I understand we have a problem. I go, there's no problem. <laughs> Just let I me go, do my show. Let me do my show. Let me wait, say wait. fuck twice. Yeah, so, so anyway, I went to the show that night, and I was, it was just, it ruined my day. Mm-hmm. And I went in, and in my head I'm going like, you know, I'm a pro. I never want to be the douche that goes, no, I'm going to go out and say cunt, of fuck course, you. But that, yeah. and, and if I just did my regular set, I would have been so on my head. So I just said, you know what, fuck it. I'll just do a clean set. And I hated myself every second I was on stage. I was resenting myself, resenting them. I got off stage, and I punched the wall in the green room. Oh, man. And then they gave me my check, and I said, I will never be back to this club again. Fuck. But and 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 for people that don't truly understand that it's like we it, 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 it's hard enough to be funny like it, it's hard to just do this job right like to to stand on stage front of strangers say jokes that you've written that's hard enough uh, let, let alone for someone to walk in and as you said they booked you knowing you right and all the years that you've done stand up like they know what they're getting. To, uh, and like, and because I've had people come up to me literally an hour or two before the show and say, "Hey, this show, clean show, or can you talk about this? We have a big, uh, you know, uh, bachelorette uh, yeah, party, bachelorette party. So do all your bachelorette jokes. It's like I don't have the bachelorette chunk. Yeah, I don't have that ready to go. Just I, I, I think people truly sometimes take for granted. They just think, well, your job is comedian, so just be funny. Yeah, they don't see all the other stuff that goes into it. And and again, if I get hired for a corporate event or a college, you know what's happening. Yeah, I, I agree it. to the terms of yeah, the sure. deal. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to do political stuff. I'm not going to do sex stuff. I'm going to shit on. I'm going to do a little research and shit on the head of the company. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to do jokes about where. If I'm in Lake Tahoe doing a corporate event, yeah. I'm doing five minutes about gambling. I'm doing five minutes about yeah. Tahoe. I'm doing ten minutes about whatever, the, sure. you know. And I'm going to be clean. And, is, and that's I love that. That's a different comedy muscle, but mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting into. Is that a consistent with you? Because I've done a handful of corporate gigs and just and I haven't taken the time to like ask somebody, but like what uh, the approach. But that's exactly what I'll do for the first chunk. Is 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 research about them and have specifics because they seem to love that right. if you know also it seems uh, they would like me way uh, more if they were like oh he knows something about us and then you, it your gave me job more room on to any given on night is to go out and connect to the crowd right. mm-hmm. and and you know uh, make them laugh make yourself feel creatively fulfilled right and if the, if you can't do that in the parameters of say a college date, that's fine. Just yeah. don't take the college date. Yeah. <laughs> but if you take it, understand there's there is fun in the creativity mm-hmm. of making any situation work. Totally. I mean, I I know yeah. you guys probably did this coming up. I did fucking outdoor Reebok tent fairs yes. where there was Velcro walls and trampolines, <laughs> and I was the MC with a wireless mic. Oh my god! And I made it work. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it, it's me and Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. We had been doing comedy two years, and they, they were having a corporate event at the Boston Aquarium. And they wanted me and Joe to Prime walk real around. Estate for comedy. Right. <laughs> and make people laugh. But they weren't supposed to know we were comedians. We were what? just supposed to goof on people as like a prank that they could all laugh about later. So, like, you're there watching a manta ray swim in a tank, and all, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that manta ray's got big tits, and you, right. you, 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 you like, walk up and start making wow. jokes about and it. That's, and that concludes Brad's aquarium material. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, that, right. that's the A-list I wish material. I'd known that bit. That was good. <laughs> that manta ray's got big tits. Do you know anything about underwater sea life? No. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what been, that, that's what I was going for. I'm a land-based animal. Yeah. I don't want to research that. You so, know, I was thinking earlier, <laughs> Aquariums are like um, 
orphanages for fish. <laughs> <laughs> was that? That's a great. Was that your opener at the Boston Aquarium? <laughs> no, I just. I wish I had it. No, I just did a That's podcast a, great, a little while ago, great my own, and I and I mm. thought of that. But but so we were like taking food off people's plates. And sure. everyone just hated us. Yeah. yeah. And so at the end, Joe found a microphone for the for the PA system, mm-hmm. and he goes, um, "Will the parent of a uh, young boy wearing a red plaid shirt come to the office? He's floating in the top of the Shark Tank, <laughs> and we got thrown out. You think? And we didn't get paid. <laughs> but I mean, who who had that idea? And it's that thing that uh, I'm talking about, where 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 people just think." You're a comedian. You're supposed to be funny no matter what. It's like you can't just throw it. Like people are going to see sharks and fish. They right. they, they don't want to hear. So a guy walked into a bar. Right. Like it's not like. Have you ever done a bachelor party? Yes, I've done a bachelor party. I've done a bachelorette party. What was the bachelorette party like? Oh, like they don't want jokes. They want a stripper. Yeah. They they wanted me to fucking dance. So I danced for like five minutes. And then I called it a night, and I still got paid. All right. I, 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 just, I just completely abandoned the stand-up because, oh, the worst, though, was doing a wedding. That was the worst. I did one of those, and it was the worst, worst gig. Do they want yeah. you to roast the bride and groom? I think that's what they... They want you to, yeah. but then when you then do we, it, people are very put off. Right. Cause, cause it, cause no one a, told the rest of the wedding party right. that, that this shit's going to happen. Also, because right. here's my question. Do you find out actual facts about them, or you like make I up did, shit yeah. that's like... I did, yeah. I did a wedding at the Park Plaza. <laughs> I mean, oh, this God. was like the ritziest room in New York City. And they told me to make fun of the groom because he was so much older than the bride, and I did. And they were horrified. Oh, man. But please. like you said, you dismount early because yeah. the thing is, if they say do 30 minutes, and mm-hmm. at 15, you're shit in the bed and people are awkward, you got to call an audible. Yeah. Yeah, get out of there. It's right. fine. Like, no one wants you to... Yeah, I remember the, the wedding I did um, right before they brought me on stage... Uh, the the sister in law or something is going on stage and and and, and she's got the mic and she's talking the story about how uh, grandma didn't make it to the wedding because she died about two yeah. weeks before mm-hmm. and like hilarious but, she, but, 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 but yeah right great opener yeah. uh, and she's still like but she's still looking down upon us and she would definitely improve. she's sobbing tears are coming down her face and as she's crying my intro is and now the comedy of Brad Williams oh god <laughs> and, and then you're amazing. doing the Man Ray Big Tits opener it's yeah. like this yeah, is just yeah. not and they're like what you guys don't go to fucking aquariums <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it was the nightmare because I just thought well a, com- a comedian it's going to be perfect in the same way you would be you would be shitting on a guy who's older than his bride you know jokes like that, and you could bring it a, probably a lot harder than they're expecting yeah. because you know what works. But then the people who are guests aren't necessarily expecting comedian well, jokes. Well, I just did a gig a few months ago. They have this convention in D.C. for all the reality show producers and networks. And, oh, shit. and it's huge. There's a party for everything, isn't there? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. their convention. There's a party for, for fucking dads who build skateboards, probably. Somewhere. I hope so. <laughs> there is. So, is and, it in uh, Phoenix? So they hope hire me bitches. to come in, and they want me to roast the shit out of them. It's a production company okay. that's pretty big. And uh, so they give me tons of research on each network. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hire a guy to write it with me. This guy, Ross Abrash. Is this one of your favorite jobs to do, by the way? Like this type of where they Love give it. you? And, to yeah. write, perform. How do you... Uh, not to uh, get off this too much, but like, how do you get into the a place as a comic? Or when did you figure out you were like, oh, this is a skill set of mine, like roasting or just writing quick, funny jabs? Did you do that? Is that how you got into I comedy? I think uh, growing up being Irish, there was a lot of ball busting at the table. Okay. My yeah. whole family was, 
you know, family get-togethers, which were constant. It was just ball-busting. And my father did it to everybody. I wanted that so bad. Like, when I hear people, like, my, it just wasn't... It's, like, so awkward. If, you, if I make fun of my mom for overly mother or something I'll call her out like she just she goes why yeah. would you make fun of your mother yeah. you know <laughs> I'm like fuck just have a sense of humor about right. it we do yeah. it too much and like we really does it ever get awkward really or is it not to, we're fine with each other yeah. but mm-hmm. other people sometimes don't get it of course the midwest know. it doesn't go over well at oh, all oh yeah mm-hmm. and so um, anyway so I go to do this uh, gig and I wrote the shit out of it I mean work for like two weeks on it and I come in and it's just and it's like 50 people, but it's like the head of MTV, VH1, oh, shit. all the major production all companies. All the pop-up video producers. <laughs> and I get up there, and I just went, I'm go- and my friend said, as far as you think you should go, go further. So I opened okay. with, well, it's good to be here. Um, you guys are the reason for 9-11. <laughs> you are <laughs> why the, the world hates <laughs> us. The shit you put out. And I just went into it, and each network, I went show by show. About wow. it, awesome. and I mean, and they, and luckily, it it hit, awesome, and and it was like one of those things where they had to laugh, sure. But I, but but that I, was the first thing you said, that nine eleven thing, you're right? So oh, also a great kind of gauge, over. like if that doesn't hit, then right. you tone it back, right? Or, right. Well, or, I couldn't really tone it back because I wrote all the material in, in that uh, okay. in fifth mm-hmm. gear, and then <laughs> oh, there was shit. a black woman from MTV, and uh, she got there late. Or I thought she got there late. It turns out she didn't. So I was making jokes about black people Tardiness, being late, sure. mm-hmm. and she got pretty upset and she i guess she spoke to them about it oh shit but i feel like that's pretty good if you get one person upset yeah and and especially in sort of a uh, corporate gig because that because that's where people are like they're sitting with people they work with yes. with their bosses yes. that's where they're the most uptight right so if you can get just one person that said fuck that guy you're like all right that that's perfect and no, i that did an hour job. i got a standing ovation at the end that's incredible. and i was like wow you that's guys must gig. really hate yourselves <laughs> Or they just know. They they know how they bad do they know. are. They do know. They do know. And we're going to do it every year now. That's oh, incredible. They, want, they go, let's do this annually. Would you ever, like, have you had friends, like, have, uh, who know you're a comic and um, who are like, we should have for, for Bill's, like, your friends who aren't comics, like, Bill's, uh, you know, birthday, his, his 55th, like, come have you get up and roast him at the dinner, to, like, any... Like where been, they want you to be in situations where it's not conducive, but well, you're the funny I guess guy. Every time we have we have family reunions and stuff, okay. and I get up and that's what I do, and I shit on everybody. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, I just did a roast for um, this great DJ down in Tampa named Cowhead. You know oh, that guy? yeah, I don't Cowhead. Well, Cowhead yeah. just switched back to his real name, which is Mike Calta, mm-hmm. and so he's syndicating. So it was a big publicity event. He did a roast of himself yeah. for charity. Mm-hmm. To, to bury the name Cowhead. And so we went down, and it was me, Norton, Bobby Kelly, Jim Florentine. Uh, professional ball busters. Uh, I mean, That's great. It, wait, who else was there? That's uh, a murderous Oh, Bert Kreischer. Yeah. And so we go down there, and it was just gloves off. <laughs> and so we did, uh, I was talking about... They told me before that roast that he his grandmother was there, and she's like 83, yeah. and he, mm-hmm. has ma- he has a matching Yankees tattoo with her. Wow. And so I said, I think that is so cool. I mean, what a what an awe. And, but I got to say, her commitment was a lot stronger than his because his is on his shoulder and she got hers on her snatch, and <laughs> which is amazing because she really went all in. She got a mini baseball helmet on her clit and uh, and she got the pinstripes. Well, they're not actually pinstripes; they're uh, stretch marks from, from Jackie Robinson fucking her with his big black cock. 
And what's really amazing is she turned her asshole into a dugout, like an, a major league dugout with a bench. And every weekend, nine guys from another city come in and they spit tobacco juice in her asshole. And I just kept oh going. And, and, and Cowan was dying. And his grandmother walked up to the stage yeah. and gave me the finger. Oh, oh perfect. And the, the place just fell out of the that's chairs. That's the best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Now, and, and then do <laughs> you not only want to perform for obviously yourself in, in the audience, but when, when you got guys like Kelly and, uh, and Norton and Kreischer, if they're all if they're all there with you, is there sort of like a all right, we're in sort of in competition with each other. Like, I got to step my game up. I think to- there's a little bit of that. I mean, especially if you got to follow a guy who crushes. Yeah. And I got to follow Cowhead's wife. And okay. she was very sweet, very mm-hmm. moving about how much she loved him. So I started off by talking about how hard I would fuck her in front of Cowhead. <laughs> and, and how low her standards must be that I literally could have fucked her. Like, I realized if you're with Cowhead... You would have fucked me at some point, and it, it, it's just anybody. You would have fucked Jim Norton, and, and so, uh, so I think it's about. Um, I'm not one of those guys that feels like I have to be the one yeah. that mm-hmm. night, yeah. which I think is a shortcoming. I think that I I want to do well, um, but I think the threshold for me is not failing yeah mm-hmm. i don't want to look bad and, and getting the respect to the guy the other guys yeah right? and sometimes i think i lack that killer instinct to be the one on the show do you think that's what geraldo had i oh, think he had that yeah. yeah yeah how was he to to hang with and work with he's one of my favorites you know very very respectful of other comics he was very much into the community uh we started at the same time together in new york mm-hmm. and um you know he had this work ethic from coming out of law school he really worked hard on writing his jokes but um you know he had his demons and they got more and more of a hold of him as time went on i mean yeah. when he when we were starting out he was clean as a whistle and he really uh you know all of his energy really went into growing and we were hungry it was like me todd barry geraldo gaffigan uh kevin brennan jeff ross we were like Wow. Exactly coming up at the same time. And we were Jesus. definitely competitive with each other. It's but healthy. we're also friends. Yeah. yeah. It's the best. And yeah. that, and that sort of that sort of healthy competition kinda kinda gets you going. And then And it's all gone now. I see those guys now and yeah. I am so fucking happy for any of their successes. Mm-hmm. Like with zero jealousy. Yeah. Whereas if it had happened twelve years ago, I would have been like, How come I didn't get that? Yeah. Why well, do you yeah. think that goes away? Just because you find, you'll find your own, you got to you get totally happy with yourself, right? So you're not uh, concerned with other yeah, people. Yeah, and you also see that people go up and come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I've gone up and came down. Yeah. And I, you realize that, like, you know, that great break for that guy might end up really hurting him because, you know, his name's on the show. And if it fails, then nobody's going to want to touch him for a couple of years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you, you wish the best for people, but I don't, there's very rare that um, I, I wish I'd gotten someone else's job because I think that most gigs, Nowadays, I think especially for someone like me who, like, um, people go like, well, you should do this. It's really good exposure. And I'm just like, I've been exposed. They've seen me. They're they're not buying. (laughs) And so I feel like anything that happens for me is something that I'm going to think of, I'm going to pitch, I'm going to produce, and I'm going to be in. So I can't begrudge somebody else having their – like, I can't look at Louie and go, why didn't they pick me to create, write, produce, edit, (laughs) and score my own show? Right. Right. And you're – and and I'm sure in that scenario, you're like, ah, I'm – thankful that i don't have that sometimes oh that's too much i, I wouldn't want that that and on top of that he does a, a new hour a year i don't want to no live idea. that way i really no. you know and maybe that ties into you not being the one go-karts to build 
yeah, I really do. I, I I have such a balance in my life, and I choose my dates. I get the school calendar and the concerts and the plays a year in advance, and then awesome. I book my mm-hmm. dates around it. I never work Sunday nights anywhere, and I just basically, um, you know, try to make it all work. And I look at guys that are that successful. I don't think at the end of my life I'm going to look back and say I could have been bigger as a comic. I. I don't think I've ever thought that way. I've always just felt like, what a what a fucking glorious ride to be able to do this. We're sitting in my garage right now, yeah. talking to two smart, funny guys, yeah. and then I'm going to go work out. Go to my I got an office that I mostly just masturbate in. <laughs> I, For uh, real? It, I, yeah. I, I actually wanted to ask you one thing because I heard a story on the Corolla podcast that when you fly to sort of relieve the stress you uh pop one off in the uh in the airline bathroom before before before, before you go I did for many years I haven't yeah. in a while but wow. I used to uh That's that's hate, impressive man well, I've gotten a hand flying. job on an airplane You did? Yeah yeah it was incredible and the person next to us knew and just let it happen it was Wow worthwhile. coach yeah, man. So it was on the. It, it was like the super story. early stages of of my ex from college, and and uh, yeah, it was just like all right, just you know where it was just like you wanted to fuck all the time, and 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 she wasn't like, you know, it was a little out of character. So it wasn't she was like, this is I've done this is my fourth fucking <laughs> sky high, Jimmy John, whatever you know you would title it after you've done so many of them. But uh, yeah, it was fucking sneaky. I mean, it was blanket, and then um, you were in the window seat. Yes, I had to be, yeah. And yeah. then she was in the middle. But the person, yeah, yeah, you can't do it in the middle. But it was, I mean, there was, there's no real way. It would be funny if she, the other one was in the, win, in the middle seat. I was on the right. aisle. Okay. My girl was on the window. Uh, but going to the bathroom would never uh, cross my mind because that seems even more dangerous. But Wait a minute, getting back to you. So what about the secretion? <laughs> what, what happened when you, had you clean it up? Uh, I mean, I think it just went, we had the blanket covering. Oh, and then, um, gross. Yeah. You just no, I mean, it, it, fire one off in the blanket, maybe, or or uh, on the inside of my pants, or just man, I can't. I think that was the last concern of mine. It was like just make because sh- at one point it gets to where you're like, I don't like you're you're trying to like zone into like let this happen because this is so awesome because like sometimes somebody would walk by and it would hold things up for a minute. So you're like, shit, man, maybe it's just going to be one of these blue ball airplane rides, yeah. but um. So I, th- I it went somewhere. It, <laughs> it might have gone. It might have got on the fucking person on the on the aisle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would be nervous flying, and also like I f- I sleep really well on flights, mm-hmm. but especially after I do that. So I you'll do it right when you get on. I get no no no. I wait until the as soon as that beep and the and the yeah. uh, unbuckle your seatbelt thing pops up. Dude, that's I am your up and in the bathroom. That's my cue. And it's like it almost has become like Pavlovian. Like when I hear it, I yeah. get an erection. And then I go in and I lean oh my, my forehead God. on the wall. You know how the wall that's in so front of the good. toilet is angled towards you? Yeah, yeah. And I put my forehead against it and I whack one out. And here's the key. A couple of keys. Is you oh gotta line the toilet with paper because when that shit hits the porcelain, mm-hmm. it's sucking air out. It dries it and yeah. it will not flush. Oh. It'll be a big glopping load yeah. stuck on the inside of the bowl for the next <laughs> Holy person. Shit. And the other problem is is put toilet paper on your forehead because I would walk out with a big red splotch on my forehead. Do you think anybody, if did you ever do that without putting, so you had to do oh, that yeah, once. Oh, yeah, no, there were a few times I came out, and, I, and I'm bald, so people would see your forehead and be like, try to do the math of what's right. happening there. But then I would sit down and fall asleep instantly. 
Now that's did, incredible. Did it like get to a point where you come home with your wife and you're like, hey, in order for me to come, I have to have like the Southwest <laughs> commercial going on in the background. Can you go and, bing? And, and, yeah, and, and press really hard yeah. against my forehead. And she's like, why are you eating peanuts while we're having sex? <laughs> By the way, give me a diet sprite. Um, that's right. How come, how come you're watching a, uh, a James Bond movie while we're having sex? <laughs> um, I want to just talk about this before we wrap this up. Um, mm. I love how awesome of a dad you are. And I love it even more so uh, because uh, in recent um, shows I've done with you, you've talked about how you're at the, your kids are at the age where uh, it's fun to make fun of dad. Oh, like it, right. It's cool to make fun of dad. Yeah, we sit around the table. That's mm-hmm. so, that was such like... I don't know. I just think that's like I, I don't have kids, but I have two twin nieces who are almost five, and their dad's not around, so I'm very much involved. Yeah. But like, I am at the point. The only you know, and I know I'm not doing the whole like I, it's like I, they're my kids because I'm not yeah. going to be that guy. But the the need to want them to think I'm cool yeah. is still is still so because right. I know that it's going to change soon. Like my niece the other day, I was talking to her, and I sent my sister flowers and balloon for Mother's Day, and at almost five, she's like, "This is one of them." She's like, "It was so sweet. You sent mom flowers and what? It was and you're just so." sweet and it was the nicest thing ever and I'm just like man and I'm like thinking about 10 years from now I'm going to be fucking trying to you know stop adolescent penises from entering her yeah. and like that's where my head's going because right. I'm like cherish this moment where she's like right. I'm telling her I'm going to go do jokes and she's like you're so silly I'm glad I'm like yeah. what should I do should I poop on stage she's like that's a great idea yeah. like that's like the best conversation but like soon it's going to be by How the way old is she? That is that four closer. almost oh, five that's yeah sweet. and so they're becoming people and they're just yeah. like mm-hmm. awesome but it's like no, but I once know they get to, my, my kids are 10 and 13 it's Gonna shift, and it's like, yeah, they, they make fun of me at the dinner table. Like yeah. I'm nerdy. I don't know how to download an app, but I just want to go. You don't know me, motherfucker. <laughs> like, like it to me, it feels like I wrote a book about it because of this exact reason. Yeah, the, what is the book called? The book's called Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons: Tales yeah. of Redemption from an Irish Mailbox. Available oh on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And on uh, or get the audio book at audible.com. Dude, those Even are the better. best. Yeah, and you you did it. I narrated okay, it, and then the I had I had famous people read. It's all about my mom saved all the letters when I was in trouble my whole life. Behavior reports, clippings from the newspaper when I was arrested. It was all in this. So you have people reading them, or you're reading? I have like Corolla reads one, Zach reads one. Um, Yo, that's the coolest idea for a book I think I've ever heard. Yeah. So you is it doing? Are people buying? Is it? Oh, it's great. It's awesome, man. All right, I'm definitely getting it. But anyway, I wrote it because I was getting to the age where I haven't drank in 20 years. Mm -hmm. I um, don't cheat on my wife. I drive a Prius. I don't have debt. I don't gamble. And it's like, it's not who I was. I want people to know that there was a chapter two. Yeah. And, and like, so the book is about, like, you know, me doing every everything. Believe me, I did it all. And right. it's in there. And I wanted it to be documented so that one day kids. my kids can read it and realize, like, at an age where they can understand that that was cool. Which yeah. I'm hoping is like 17. I really don't want them reading it before then. Because otherwise it's going to be like, well, Dad, you yes. you have yeah. three ways with a dude while you're on acid. <laughs> Why can't I stay up yeah. until 11 right. playing Xbox? Right, right exactly. You're like, all right, well, that's a yeah, decent so argument. Yeah. I'm a little older. And uh, it, 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 it's so funny that you that you talk about this. I, I, I don't have kids, but I know that if I do, there will come a moment where the kids look at me and say, eh, you're not cool, Dad. Oh, 
really, I'm not cool. Sit the fuck down. I've got right. some stories for you. Right. And now you have this book that is essentially that. Like, oh, no, yeah. read this. Right, and you want to look at them and go, like, let me map out your life. You've been <laughs> shadow-parented your whole life. Yeah, mm-hmm. were you ever a bucket list item, uh, <laughs> right. Brad Williams Jr.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah, I yeah. was. Up. Yeah. yeah, were you an afterthought? <laughs> like, you have no anger to work with. My kids have been well-raised. I don't, mm-hmm. dr- I don't hit them. Yeah. And so here's your life. You're going to do well in school. You're going to play sports. You'll lose your virginity at 18. Oh, man. You'll go to a college, mm-hmm. and then you'll go into a middle management job. You're like, you're not going to hitchhike around <laughs> Europe, but fucking Spanish chicks who need money. <laughs> Dude, you can't ever have that conversation. So what do you, when they, when they like, make fun of you, which, what will they say? Like, how is it? Uh, what, now at the table? How is it relayed that, like, you know, dad's not cool? Well, like, I'll make a joke, and mm-hmm. they'll say it's corny. Because mm-hmm. the jokes they like, You're like are, I'm not bringing my A game to fucking meatloaf night. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but underneath it, they really—it's sweet. I see it. They, that they it. respect. Yeah, me. Mm-hmm. you know that they. When I hear them tell their friends about me, that's and I fucking get, awesome. Like or, or like parents will be like, "Oh, you got to hear how Owen talks about you." That that that's, that's way cool. Yeah. So yeah. that makes taking some of the. Um, yeah, thinking you take that you're it. not. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Take it. but like you would never say what you just said about the, <laughs> giving the example. Well, it's not just my kids. I think it's everybody. I think everybody sees me as this, really, especially among comedians, because we're such a bunch of fuck ups. Mm-hmm. That here I am with like well adjusted, a wife put and together. kids, and you know a Prius, and it's sort of like I just resent in general. But that's I think something I need to work on because. I should accept that my life is in a really good place. No shit. And I don't yeah. know why. It's jealousy. I, Any comic that's hating on it is like, fuck, I got to go back to my you know apartment on Western and Normandy and yeah. fucking get that Thai food again tonight because right. uh, that's what's open. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe I fuck that chick just, who's in town. It's just unfinished business, I guess. It's just, you know, uh, but, I don't know. Yeah, but then at the same time, do you, do, do you, would you want to be the guy that uh, is still out there like doing drugs and definitely not trying to chase tail no. at what point crazy. did you get to that point where you're like yo i'm ready to slide into like this lifestyle well, i of- started partying very young we were like mm-hmm. 12 years old and we were drinking all the time and- see that's wow. the other thing people that do that get adjusted like i mean it's either you you continue that and you die or you fuck up and you just right. go in or you get it out of your system early right. which i know a lot of people that have done that and now they're like like you they're just like they're doing great because they got it out i got it out i, I just but that's I not saw the, the reason pattern. To, i mean I, yeah. I think just in my life i've wanted to live a life that was interesting where i hit my potential in some way and i felt like with drinking it was just the same cycle you know you'd it seemed like with drinking things would go to a higher level and they would you know you would you would laugh more i think you could be more creative be more aggressive. Yeah. You would do. You would go to the Cape at midnight because you felt like it. Yep, you know, right. it, it increases fun in your life, and so do drugs. It opens you up to ideas. But then it started to become kind of a cycle where uh, it wasn't opening me up anymore. It was closing mm-hmm. me down. Yeah. And I, I had done stand up for about a year, and uh, in Boston, you needed to drive to get to the gigs. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you didn't have your license, you were not going to be a comedian. Right. And so I was drunk on stage once, and I embarrassed myself, and I was just it. It was just so clear. It was like, bam, I'm yeah, I mean, done I'm, because I'm the it's the first thing I was ever good at, stand up. Drinking? Oh, <laughs> I know I was good at drinking. But so I just said, you know, this is the thing, and I'm going to fuck this up yeah. if I don't stop. Thank God and you realize it, it, and right. have put together an in, uh, an insane career that that's that's still that's still going. Yeah. I've known about you from the get-go, man. Like, as yeah. soon as I got into it, it was just like, 
you know, and then when, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, um, oh, that's nice to yeah, hear. I mean, stand up wise. And then what's cool to me is, uh, I love comics who aren't just comics who just have like, I mean, the writing background, your podcast. And I mean, Stern is, I mean, I listen to your serious show all the time because Stern's the fucking king to me. And then I got into you through him on your show. And it's, um, huge <clears throat> fan still won't recognize you when it's seen. <laughs> 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 that's so, dude. That was that's an on. That was such a great honest that moment, though. Was great, because I swear huge to God, fan. Greg. As I'm watching it, I'm like, F- oh, awesome. We get to talk to him in a couple Will of days. Will you do me a huge favor? Of course. Will you get me that clip and I'll play it on my podcast? Yeah, yeah. Just give me the clip of yeah. you talking about Todd Barry <laughs> on Louis. That was your face, by the way. Like, because I was searching for like trying to really remember the. Um, uh, you know the, the details of that scene, and you watching was listening and listening and turned realizing to it's you motherfucker. I thought you were fucking with me at first. I thought I know, this I guy's a great actor. Here's why. Here's why it hurt because you realized that for me, I've been waiting for yeah. six months for this to air. <laughs> yeah, and fucking Louie, I have an email. I'm like, let me know when it's on because I'll promote it right. and I want to tell my friends. Oh, and not that I call my manager, find out when the episode is. And then I, find, I get tweets the next morning. Hey, you were great on Louie. It's like, Fuck me. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't like promote it then. Right. How come? Yeah, but then that's... you realize even people that see it, it's not that big a deal. Like in my head, it was like, this is going to be a big, this is going to fucking jump I'm gonna me go to the I'm going to go to Russell Peters' territory right, after this. Right. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but I got to say, Todd Barry in the episode mm-hmm. is so fucking good. He's really yeah. great. He it, is so I great hope, in this episode. I, I mean, uh, I haven't seen all the episodes of Louis, but I mean, I, I hope. That chunk of like tape for him like propels him to be on some other show in some fashion because yeah. like who to he me, is. To me, that was a pilot for his TV show. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that, okay. You it know, I've done be. one college with him uh, in Missouri, and I never met him before. Hung out. It was definitely one of the most fun like twenty four hours ever because uh, we went to an Applebee's afterwards and there was karaoke and I took a couple shots of Patron and sang Bohemian Rhapsody in front of all these high school kids and he was trying to tell me he's like I don't think you should do that and I was like you said you should do that I, I shouldn't do that I was, I was like say, yeah. I was like, like Todd I'm, I'm gonna fucking take a shot of Patron and go sing right. he's like that sounds oh, like no. a bad idea oh, yeah he goes no, no. no he goes he goes I might I might leave when you do that and I go Todd you stay and watch and I didn't came back and he just kind of like had this smirk and a smile and we developed this great like. Like older brother, younger brother dynamic, yeah. where the way I would like give him shit and he would like chime back was really fun. And after I came back from the table and he was like, "That was actually pretty good." <laughs> and, it was like, and it was so because I'd gotten so into it, you know. And it was like eight thirty. Right. Uh, no, oh, he man. is very low key. Don't yeah. make a mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. I yeah. love that you did that. Oh, it was great. And I didn't know really other than like, because I was just like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, oh, let's do something fun. And it was like 830. And I didn't want to just sit in the table and eat sure. food. So, And I saw it. And, and I do karaoke. And so uh, <laughs> why not? It. And he was, yeah, his phrase. Was, but he, the fact that he had a little smirk and a smile, I was like, man, that's a, I'm never going to forget that. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, well, let, let's, uh, let, let's wrap this up here. But yeah, thank Greg, you so much. Uh, thank you. Yeah, the the, the uh, special is Life on Stage. It's available right now on Netflix. You can see the great Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, the podcast. Or he'll watch it and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that was you in that? Oh, that was <laughs> For your own special? <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I, I saw this special. This yeah. guy so funny. Right. He had oh, a he hat. Out, he had a hat. He comes out in the Kangol hat. Yeah. He's just fuck. Oh, he's talking about his family and God. Oh, it's so funny. You, you, you should really watch it, Greg. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, special Life on Stage on Netflix. The book, Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons. There's a long subtitle that 
What, what, what was it? Dear, Tales dear, of Redemption from an Irish mailbox. Go to audible.com and listen to it. There it is. And of course, the podcast, uh, Fitz Dog Radio, is for him on Stern. And see the great Greg Fitzsimmons yeah, when, when yeah. he comes and does On top of your book and your podcast, your stand up's fucking great. So you got to go oh, yeah, to uh, GregFitzsimmons.com. Go, go there. I'm coming up in uh, Seattle. The parlor. And That's parlor my, home, uh, my hometown. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? Mm. They actually wanted me to. Um, uh, f- uh, feature for you up there. No shit. And I, you know, I just after I did uh, this movie, The Heat, that came out uh, last year. The one year. with Sandra Bullock yeah, and yeah. Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah, and most McCarthy. I was one of the bad guys in it, and so it got me Drink to two like for that reference. People. Yeah, thank you. It got me to start, you know, headlining after that. That and like Chelsea and a couple of Fergusons like was enough for clubs to. And so the parlor's my home club. I saw that movie. I had a twice. <laughs> I just don't. This is great. Can't remember. I had a beard. I was a club owner. I had long hair. I had a hat. Do you have a hat? <laughs> <laughs> That's never good. By the way, this is like, what's great about this right now is that the rest of the time that we interact, it'll always be funny. <laughs> always. Like, the hat comment. I can see you in New York for like five minutes walking out of a club and be like, hey, you're the guy with the hat, right? And you'll laugh and I'll laugh and I'll be like, and we'll be like, hey, cool. We're, we're- we'll be at the retirement. This is going to be a comedian retirement home. Oh, God, I hope so. And we're going to be sitting on rocking chairs. Dude, hopefully somebody tapes that show and fucking. There, right. there you go. Um, but anyway, the parlor is a great uh, I love club. That but I don't, actually, let me ask you this real quick. They add, so they, I headlined it when the movie came out and it was my home club. And so, and then I was headlining all these other clubs after. And now they're like, Asked me to come back and like you, you know we don't have anything open. Do you want to come back in middle and do this? And I do not. I said no, that. and I don't almost took back. a slap in the face because I was like, "It's always your hometown." I, fe- I featured mm-hmm. so much of that club, which was great to get in there. And then finally, when I had you know some sh- shit for them to do it and give me a weekend, but I think like that's a step backwards. And trust me, I thought about it because the fucking you know to hang with you and be up there and watch shows and be home. He's your but I was like, fan. <laughs> but I was like, I can't like. Professionally, I feel like I was like, that makes me. No, th- Boston was the last okay. town to headline me, and that's where so that I was started. a smart move to say it's no, always, right? Wherever you're from, they knew you when you started. They yeah. have a hard time wrapping their heads around. Bray, uh, Bray and Irvine, la- 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 lots of clubs to headline me. Is that same, right? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's always the case, but uh, uh, but you love that club, right? Yeah. It's great. I love the club, and I love the guys that run it. Yeah, it's yeah. just such a. Are good you doing the Bellevue one people? or the Seattle one? The new one. Bellevue. Is yeah. Seattle open yet? It's going to open in uh, July. Yeah, and that's I want to get there. Yeah, that, I, I think that's going to be awesome because it's in a yeah. great part of town. I think I'm bringing my family up for uh, great call. the week because it's the mm. summer. They're out of school, and I was thinking like, what time? Take is, a drive like, up the coast. Yes, go take a ferry ride to one of the islands. Have you yeah. even done Seattle? Yeah, we've done the Orca. Well, we did the Orcas okay. Islands. Yeah, awesome. And uh, and then I have a friend who's down in uh, what's the island south of Seattle? Um. Bainbridge? Bainbridge, yeah. Yeah, we spent some time on Bainbridge awesome. Island, yeah. But, I mean, if you go up the Oregon coast, I mean, that's, like, incredible. Oregon coast? Yeah. How far is that from Maybe we have four hours south. What's close? Uh, if you play golf, uh, Bandon Dunes up no, in Oregon. No, with my family. Okay. Um, I mean, like... I mean, do you, we can do day trips from yeah. there, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they'll come up for uh, that's awesome. the week. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great time. Um, well, all right, so GregFitzSimmons.com for all the tour dates. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was, was a lot of fun. Thank no you, problem. man. Show. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone you know.
About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.